Hello, this is Isabel Cortez, and thank you for joining me on Scary Stories for the Soul. Picture this. You've had one of those days at work that seems to have stretched on forever. People were being rude, that coworker of yours that chews too loud sat next to you during lunch, and you spent 10 minutes looking for your keys in the parking lot before realizing you had locked them in your car. Now that you're finally home, all you want to do is go to sleep. You peel out of your work clothes, get into your pajamas, and settle into your nice and comfortable bed. You don't even take the time to scroll through your social media. You just lay your head down on your pillow, close your eyes, and go to sleep. But something happens while you're sleeping. You wake up, or at least you think you do. There's a sort of haze over everything that makes you wonder whether or not you ever fell asleep at all. You go to lift your head, but find that you can't. As much as you strain your neck to get your head off the pillow, nothing is moving. You try your arms, but can't move those either. Panic sets in as you try to move and kick your legs, but find that nothing happens. Not even a wiggle of a pinky or a curling of the toes. This isn't happening, you think to yourself. In a moment of desperation, you open your mouth to scream, but find that you can't. Your body is heavy. It feels like lead. You move your eyes all around your bedroom and notice something moving in the darkness. It's like a shadow, but it casts a darker silhouette than the rest of the darkness in the room. It's moving, circling you like prey. It moves closer and closer until you can feel the bed dip down under the weight of whatever it is. You can't move. You can't scream. You can't fight off whatever it is that is moving closer and closer to you. And just when you're about to be face to face with this thing that is threatening to suffocate you under the weight of its darkness, you wake up. You bolt upright in bed, flailing your limbs, punching and kicking at nothing, screaming and gulping for air at the same time. What has just happened to you? Sleep paralysis are episodes of paralysis that occur when someone is awake or in the middle of falling asleep. A person is unable to move or speak during one of these episodes, although they are completely aware of what is happening. They can also experience intense and vivid hallucinations, where they not only see things, but can also feel and hear things. These hallucinations can result in intense fear and panic, and if that panic becomes too intense, the sufferer could succumb to a heart attack or stroke. In general, these episodes only last about a few minutes, but to the people who go through them, they last for an endless amount of time. Little is known about what causes sleep paralysis. Perfectly healthy people could experience these terrifying episodes, as well as people who suffer from narcolepsy, psychological stress disorders, or abnormal sleep patterns. Sleep paralysis could also be passed on genetically, so if your parents suffer from it, you could too. So little is known about what causes sleep paralysis that there is no real way to cure it. Between 8 and 50% of men and women suffer from sleep paralysis all over the world, 
and everything from antidepressants to dream journals have been prescribed and recommended to solve it. Many psychotherapists believe that the hallucinations experienced during these paralytic episodes are the reasoning behind supposed paranormal events. But what if these episodes aren't the cause of paranormal events, but the window in which they are opportune to happen? The original definition of sleep paralysis was created by Samuel Johnson in his Dictionary of the English Language as a nightmare. The word nightmare is derived from the Old English word mare, which is a demon that sits on a person's chest while they are sleeping, making it unable for them to move or scream, and implants terrifying thoughts into their heads. The mare could bring on such vivid nightmares that it was believed people could die in their sleep. The German folklorist Franz Felix Eidelbert Kuhn recorded a Westphalian prayer that could supposedly ward off mares. It went, Here I am, lying down to sleep. No nightmare shall plague me until they have swum through all the waters that flow upon the earth and counted all stars that appear in the firmament. Thus, help me, God. Amen. People who suffer from sleep paralysis report experiencing a variety of things, from hearing whispers and howls and screams, to feeling a tingling sensation run up their arms and legs right before they lose the ability to move. But one shared experience that has been widely reported on is the appearance of shadow people. Many people report that at the peak of their paralytic experience, when they feel their most vulnerable and helpless, a shadow person will appear to them. Sometimes, it will watch them from a corner of the room and not interact with them at all, although the paralyzed person knows and feels that they are being watched. And other times, it will move closer to the person, oftentimes kneeling next to them in bed and watching them as they struggle to break free from their paralysis. More disturbing experiences include being touched by a shadow person and having the apparition whisper into their ear. Paranormal researchers and demonologists have also studied sleep paralysis in correlation to demonic possession and demonic activity. During a particularly severe paralytic episode, the person can feel like an entity or energy is trying to invade their body. They can sense the presence of something sinister and alien, and they can feel that presence trying to get closer and closer to them. The debate is whether demons cause the sleep paralysis as a means to get the person vulnerable and immobile so they can then possess them, or if they merely sense when the paralysis is happening and use it as a window of opportunity to possess a person. Either way, the feeling of being invaded by a malignant and violent presence is one that is shared by sleep paralysis sufferers all around the world. Different cultures perceive sleep paralysis in different ways and therefore believe that different things cause it. In Egypt, sleep paralysis is believed to be caused by a jinn, a creature characterized as a demon or devil, which causes misfortune, possession, and disease. Although jinns are believed to be neither good nor evil, a malevolent version does exist, and this version causes the paralyzed sleeper to have such vivid and horrifying nightmares that they could die in their sleep. In Sardinian folklore of Italy, sleep paralysis is caused by an amuntadore, a creature which mounts a person's chest while they are sleeping and gives them nightmares. The amuntadore can also shapeshift and take the form of the thing that frightens that person the most. And in Newfoundland, sleep paralysis is known as the old hag, and victims are known to be hag-ridden. These victims report being completely conscious but unable to move or speak, 
They report a person or animal-like creature sitting on their chest, smiling down at them. The only way to prevent a hagging is to sleep with a Bible underneath your pillow. So if sleep paralysis is merely a scientific oddity that people suffer from, why do people all over the world report seeing and feeling the same things? Why do all these people report shadow people, the sensation of being invaded by an entity that they cannot see, and the overwhelming feeling that they will be harmed? Yes, fear is an obvious reaction to waking up and not being able to move your body or scream for help, but the fear is being caused by these hallucinations. How do we explain thousands upon thousands of people from all over the world seeing and feeling and experiencing the same things while under sleep paralysis? Maybe that's something that we can't explain scientifically. The story you're about to hear is of a woman who spent her life studying sleep paralysis and trying to debunk the paranormal aspects of it. She never got close, although she did get close to the paranormal aspects of it. Dr. Sadie Novak poured over her session notes under the dim light of her desk lamp. She didn't want to turn on the lights to her office because if her supervisor saw that she was still in after hours, he would make her go home and get some sleep. But she couldn't sleep. She couldn't rest until she got to the bottom of what was happening to her patients. Sadie was the top sleep researcher in New England, and she had been for the better part of 15 years. She dealt with everything from sleep apnea to extreme night terrors and sleepwalking. Couldn't get to sleep comfortably? Go see Dr. Sadie Novak. PTSD and night terrors stopping you from getting a full eight hours? Dr. Sadie Novak was your savior. Having suffered from night terrors her entire adolescent life, she vowed to help people in her same condition when she got older. And that's exactly what she had done. But her patients lately were stumping her. Three separate patients were experiencing extreme cases of sleep paralysis, and Sadie would have thought nothing of it if they hadn't reported seeing and hearing the exact same things. She had done some research into sleep paralysis and into their individual backgrounds. They didn't live anywhere near each other, didn't occupy the same social circles, or attend the same schools or gyms. Hell, they didn't even reside in the same tax brackets. The closest thing that she could find was that two of the three patients went to the same grocery store, and that was only because they coincidentally shared the same food allergy. Sadie thought it might be food-related, but that didn't explain why the other patient was experiencing the same things. She had exhausted every environmental, physical, and emotional and medical lead she could and came up empty-handed every time. She turned on the voice recorder on her cell phone and let out a heavy sigh. Patient A is still experiencing extreme hallucinations after the trial dosage of primaviserin. I was hopeful since the drug is also used for those suffering major depressive disorders, which Ms. Dolling does have, but after three weeks, nothing has changed. Patient B, Mr. Hampstead, continues to refuse any medication at all, and I thought that would make a difference, but it hasn't. Patient C, Daniel Barron, is particularly worrying to me because at 17, he should not be experiencing such vivid paralytic sleep episodes, but he is. I don't know how all three of these people are seeing and hearing the same things. I mean, some symptoms of sleep paralysis are universal. The complete inability to move or speak, the feeling of something heavy on the chest, tingling of arms and legs right before the paralysis really sets in, 
even auditory and visual hallucinations. But they are all hearing and seeing the same thing. How is that possible? They don't talk to each other. They don't interact with each other. They don't even see each other when they leave my office. I don't understand it. Dr. Novak rested her head in her hands. All three patients report the same thing, she continued. They become conscious and they realize they can't move their arms, legs, or head. They can't speak or scream or even open their mouths. I went through mental exercises with them. When they realize that they are having an episode, they think to themselves, this isn't real, I am asleep, I can wake up whenever I want, I am going to wake up. All three patients report repeating that mantra to themselves to no avail. That's when the hallucinations start. They report that a shadowy figure appears before their bed. It appears like smoke and has no distinguishing features except for the jagged lines of a silhouette. The figure will stand and watch them for what they perceive as hours, although the average time span of one of these episodes is about six minutes, before it climbs up and onto the bed with them. They report the bed shifting under the weight of the apparition. Miss Stalling has a memory foam mattress, and she presented me pictures of impressions she found on her mattress after one of these episodes. They look like hoof prints, but I think my imagination is just getting the best of me. Sadie took out the picture from Miss Stalling's file and tried to figure out what else the impression looked like, but having grown up with goats her whole life, she couldn't deny it. They looked like hoof prints. Grabbing the recorder, she pressed it against her forehead, exhaustion threatening to close her eyelids. The apparition reportedly hovers over them on all fours. They each get the faint smell of rotten eggs wafting from it. Although I will admit that olfactory hallucinations are not common in sleep paralysis patients. The hallucination then leans down and they hear several names being whispered to them. None of the patients report feeling anything near their ears. No breath, no wind, no tingling. It's more like an echo near their ear. They say that they hear the names Melinda, Ronald, and Andrew. The names are repeated until the patients can release themselves from the episode. Each one of them had an episode this week, and in these they individually reported a feeling of weakness over them as if they were being drained. Sadie heard the sound of footsteps coming down the hall near her office. There was no way she was going to be lectured after the day she had just had. Sleepily, she packed her things, turned off her desk lamp, and headed for home. On her way home, she repeated the names to herself out loud. They sounded familiar, but she couldn't figure out from where. Once she got to her apartment, she dropped her things on the couch and went straight to her room to get ready for bed. She didn't even take the time to put her work clothes in the dirty clothes hamper. Her comfort pajamas, the ones that had the dancing skeletons with the top hats, were waiting for her and she practically jumped into them, crawled into bed, and tried to rest her eyes. The names kept playing and repeat on her head. Melinda, Ronald, Andrew. Melinda, Ronald, Andrew. She knew that somewhere deep in her brain, she knew what they meant and why they were significant. They weren't random names. She had heard them before. Just then, a light bulb switched in her head and she ran out of bed and grabbed her case files from her briefcase. 
She scattered her patient's files across her bed and sat cross-legged, staring down at them. Sadie knew that the names had sounded familiar, and there they were, right in front of her. Madison Melinda Dolling, patient 26754. Lester Ronald Hamsteed, patient 26767. Daniel Andrew Barron, patient 27698. Sadie's hands shook as she traced each of the middle names on her patient's files. How could they have found this information out? How was this even possible? The sound of her work phone ringing on the bedside table made her jump. She picked it up and shook the fear out of her voice. Dr. Novak speaking. Dr. Novak, hi, it's Madison Dolling. Sadie could hear the trepidation in her patient's voice. Oh, hello, Miss Dolling. What can I help you with? There was silence on the other end. Miss Dolling? Yes, sorry. Um, I have something to tell you that I left out of tonight's session. I didn't say anything at the time because I didn't want you to think that I was making things up, but you know how anxious I get and not telling you has been bothering me since I left your office. Okay, slow down and tell me. It's about the names, Miss Dolling said nervously. Sadie felt some tension leave her body. What if she was calling to tell her that the names were easily explainable? She let herself hope for a few seconds. I left out a name. The doctor's heart dropped. Damn it. There went that, she thought to herself. What name did you leave out, Miss Dolling? She asked. Reagan, her patient answered. Sadie's eyes went wide. What did you say? Reagan. I didn't mention it because it's the name from the girl from The Exorcist. It sounds ridiculous. I mean, I know it sounds dumb, but it's the truth. I'm sorry. Sadie tried to slow down her breathing. Her forehead began to bead with sweat. Dr. Novak, are you still there? Yes, she said slowly. Thank you for telling me. I have to go now. She hung up the phone and tried to reason with what she had just heard. Reagan. No, that couldn't be right. Reagan? Of all names, Reagan. Sadie Reagan Novak. Reagan. After her grandmother. There was no way. Maybe this was an isolated incident. Maybe Miss Dolling saw her driver's license one day and added the name to her hallucinations. There was only one way to find out. She phoned Lester Hampstead and Daniel Barron. They both admitted to leaving out the last name because of its link to the scary movie. I already knew you didn't believe me, Mr. Hampstead had said. I didn't want to add in another thing to make it unbelievable. This was insane, she thought to herself. There had to be a logical explanation for everything. She had spent her entire adult life studying sleep sicknesses and sleep paralysis. There was nothing that science couldn't explain. That was the thought that played in her head as she closed her eyes and fell asleep. Sadie opened her eyes and immediately knew that something was wrong. The room was dark, although she could have sworn she had fallen asleep with the bedside lamp on. What time is it? She thought to herself. She tried to reach her hand over to grab her cell phone, but couldn't move her arm. She tried to turn over to use the other arm, but couldn't do that either. This isn't happening to me, she thought in panic, but it was. 
She couldn't move her arms or her legs. She tried to open her mouth, but couldn't. All she wanted to do was scream. The fear that was coursing through her veins was unlike anything she had ever felt before. Her chest was heavy, and it was getting hard for her to breathe. This is just a dream, she thought to herself. I'm asleep. I'm dreaming. This isn't real. Something moved in the corner of her room. Her eyes shot over to the spot, but her vision wasn't adjusting to the darkness. It shifted again and moved to another corner, but this time, Sadie got a good look at it. It looked like smoke. Thick, shifting smoke. The more she focused on it, the more she could see the hazy outline of arms, legs, and head. She could see it moving towards her, the acrid scent of rotten eggs wafting towards her. This is a dream. I'm dreaming. This isn't real. I'm dreaming, she frantically thought to herself. Using all the might she had, she tried to move her arms and legs, wiggle her fingers, stretch her toes, something anything to get her body working and moving so she could run away from whatever it was that was in her room. But nothing happened. She lay helpless in bed. The shadowy figure moved to the foot of her bed and watched her. There were no eyes that could be seen, but Sadie knew that she was being watched. It moved closer to her then, climbing on top of the bed until it was hovering over her. She could see its mass swirling above, smell its rancid scent, Her memory shot back to a documentary she had watched once about serial killers. A psychotherapist that was being interviewed said something about one of the killers mentioned that rang in Sadie's mind now. He said, Evil is a word that gets used lightly nowadays, but today, today I know what evil feels like. Sadie knew what evil felt like now. She could sense it. The apparition was face to face to her now, and as much as she wanted to, Sadie couldn't bring herself to close her eyes. The creature bent its head down until it reached her left ear. She could feel a bitter and painful chill radiating off of it. It bent down low and whispered into her ear, Melinda, Ronald, Andrew, Reagan. Her body began to tingle as its rancid breath watched over her. Melinda, Ronald, Andrew, Reagan, it repeated. What did it want? Why were they all connected? Sadie opened her mouth to ask the question on her mind, but couldn't. She did, however, find that she could move her lips a fraction of an inch. There was hope in that small movement. She held on to it and focused hard on the muscles of her mouth. Melinda, Ronald, Andrew, Reagan, it whispered again. The tingling sensation spread across her jaw and onto her lips. Move your mouth, she ordered to herself. And just like that, she opened her mouth and shouted, What do you want? The apparition lifted its head and looked down at her. I want, it said in a drawn out whisper. Melinda, Ronald, Andrew, Reagan. Sadie screamed. She screamed as loud as she could. She screamed until her voice was raw and her throat was sore. While she was screaming, the apparition plunged its hand into her heart. A wave of ice flowed through her body. 
it was like she was freezing from the inside out. At that same moment, miles away and across different parts of the city, Madison Dalling, Lester Hampstead, and Daniel Barron were having identical experiences. Sadie felt herself slipping away. Before her world went dark, she tried to move her arms and legs one more time, but couldn't move a muscle. The news would later report that Dr. Sadie Novak, along with her patients, Madison Dalling, Lester Hampstead, and Daniel Barron, went missing around the same time on the same night. The three patients were a part of a sleep study that the doctor was conducting, and while she has no history of criminal activity, police do suspect as a cause of the disappearances. There was one piece of evidence that the police couldn't explain. In all four houses, they found what looked like hoof prints around the rooms and on the bed sheets. All four houses also smelled of rotten eggs and had traces of sulfur around various windows and doorways. Dr. Sadie's notes on sleep paralysis were also gone. How do you think you'll be sleeping tonight? What do you think will happen when you lay your head down on that pillow and close your eyes for the night? There isn't much that we can do to stop sleep paralysis, so I guess the only advice I can give you is to not think about it much before you go to bed. So I guess just don't think about it. Sleep tight.